Hello, welcome to Soul Led, a podcast dedicated to the evolution of your soul and the development of your spiritual gifts. I am Nikki Novo, your spiritual mentor, a fiery Latina, mom of three, and a lover of all things intuitive. You're here because you're meant to be here. So let's do this. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Soul Led. So today's episode is with my two brothers. Um, I'm one of three, I'm in the middle. And just wanna kind of bring them on the show, ask some questions about what it looked like for me, for them, as I started to do this work, you know, any advice for those of us who are getting interested in spirituality, but are afraid of our family or our friends judging them. You know, they're, they're not regular, they're both like scientists. So they're not like a regular podcast guess and I definitely didn't give them enough time to think about the questions. (laughs) So I thought I wanted to start off with actually my tips for coming out of the spiritual closet to family and friends. And then we can listen to their episode, which is super fun, like just their conversation. And we actually did, we had two soul mentors do two readings on Mikey and we shared that. So that was cute to watch. So let's get into my tips for, you know, coming out of the closet kind of knowing what to do with yourself when you're starting to get into the metaphysicals, when you're starting to get into spirituality, maybe as you're starting to use your intuition and believe in it, believe, start believing things that maybe are not very common in your family. And I'm going to share a little bit of like my process and also what I think are, what I feel are the four steps to finally coming full circle. So the first step to me, so I, I, I uh, created this in four steps. And the first step really is give yourself some time to process because the truth is like when you start having your awakening and as you start getting interested and, and, you know, just, it doesn't matter what you're interested in, you know, maybe you're getting into like star seeds and aliens and, or maybe you're just getting into energetic reading um, energetic healings or readings, you know, whatever it may be. And just, even if it's just you leaving your religion, right. You don't know what's happening. <laughs> like it's almost an awakening process is almost like it's happening to you without your consent in a way sometimes, right? It's like you, it's this wave that you're riding and it's like, you just can't jump off of it. So to start sharing and almost like trying to convince your partner or your mom or your siblings that like what you're doing is okay and looking for their validation will cause a lot of confusion. So it's best to stay within like your own little bubble or cave and just give yourself that space to explore something without other people knowing, right? Like you don't have to share it because you don't have the answers yet. You know, you, if you had to defend your beliefs, you wouldn't even be able to because you don't really know what's happening. So for me, um, and I actually talk about this in the episode, my brother is like, I just knew that like, I had to kind of just go into a cave and like not talk to anybody about it. Even my husband, um, you know, he obviously knew, and and it's funny because I'm on social media. So I was putting it out there a lot, but I wouldn't really talk to like close friends or family about it because if I had those conversations, I knew that I was going to get like discouraged or that I would get insecure or, you know, even just like absorbing their fear for me. Right. Cause if I told my older brother about that, when I first started, like he's protective, he's going to be, he, you know, he would be nervous for me. And I didn't want like any of that energy or, and I don't, I don't think I like made the conscious choice, but I guess, cause I was protected. It just, 
I, I didn't feel called to share with other people that were not already interested and open to this. And that was a big part of my success. I feel like just success as when I say success, I mean like, you know, being able to go deep into this work and come out on the other side where I feel good and confident and I love myself and I'm not like judging myself for doing the things that I do or being interested in the things that I'm interested in. That doesn't mean I start, I didn't, you know, I started off judging myself and thinking I was crazy. And there are some days too that I'm like, oh my gosh, Nikki, like you're so nuts. Um, but for sure in the beginning, that was a regular occurrence and I didn't have answers for people. So I didn't have answers for myself. So a big part of the beginning stages as you start to awaken is just give yourself some time to process. Don't force yourself to have to defend yourself from the get-go, right? That's gonna, that's gonna come later. Steps two, I would say is sh- share, share with your choir. So like, you know how people say, oh, you're preaching to the choir. It's like kind of like you're preaching to, you're kind of sharing this message to your own people. In this case, this is a good thing, like preach to your choir. So find a community or find some friends that are interested in the things that you're, that you're learning about And that's going to help you feel very strong and safe. It's going to kind of almost like as everybody's learning around you, you're just going to kind of stay within within a bubble with them and feel safe enough and strong enough to continue. Um, Obviously, Soul Collective was made from that, actually, our free um, membership space. Like that was made so that people could have a safe space as they were starting to wake up and get into metaphysicals, all that stuff. I I had a couple friends like two girlfriends that were interested in psychics when I first got into psychic work. But then after that, like, you know, that kind of tapered off. They didn't like go all in the way that I did. And then as I started to like really study, I had like one coworker basically. And that was it, you know? And, but that one coworker was so important for me. And it was just so beneficial to have somebody every day that I can talk to about these things. And then of course now seeing like the soul expansion communities or the soul teachers communities and just seeing how it is so much faster to teach people to get into their intuition, understand it when they're in this like a nice bubble protected space and they get strong much faster than I did. So definitely. And, you know, I did that in a different way too. Like I was sharing things on social media and I was just like looking for my choir. I was like, you know, I'm just going to keep putting this stuff out and then see who's, in it, you know, like who's like, who gets it. And it's so funny because even today, um, I have like my friend's parents, like love to follow some of my work. Or if I see like a friend's parents, sometimes like yesterday, we, this last weekend, we went to go see a, a mutual friend. My older brother and I had a lot of the same friends cause we're so close in age. So we went to one of our friend's parents' house that lives here in Asheville And uh, the mom was like, I'm so, I love what you do. Like, I'm so proud of what you do, you know? Like, so it's just funny that there's, you know, even there's certain people that are in your community, in your friends and family that will also get in on this stuff that you do. And then there's going to be a lot of people that are not into it, you know? But I just kind of put things out there in a way that felt safe to me and whoever was in, was in. And finding like little communities or little circles that were also studying at the same time is you don't realize how, how, like how important that is to the process. So you're not going to feel ready to, you're going to want to share, but you're not going to feel, you may feel ready, but it just, it's not going to be like super safe to share with people who are into the work, but you're going to want to share because it's going to help you grow. So finding safe circles that you can share with is super, it's just so beneficial. Okay. And then step three. So after you get strong from being with that circle, because you will, 
you'll feel like, okay, like I'm not alone. You know, there's 10 girls in my class and they're all into this, or I have these two workers, coworkers, and they're super into this too. So I'm starting to feel like strong. Like I'm not the only one, I'm not crazy. (laughs) Um, Then you're going to naturally kind of move into a place of joy rather than fear. Like you're going to be more excited about what you're learning and about what you're studying and what you're discovering within yourself. And you're kind of, kind of get out of that fear place of like, oh my gosh, are people judging me? Blah, blah, blah. And once you start to release that judgment, because you're, and the cool thing about this work, honestly, is that because you're doing something kind of, you know, different, perhaps you're also going to learn to be less judgmental because the only way to keep going is to not judge yourself. And once we stop judging ourselves, we stop judging others and vice versa, right? Like once we stop judging others, we stop to judge ourselves. So it's a really beautiful process that like in order to let yourself go deep into this work, you have to stop judging yourself. And that the judgment starts to leave at phase two, like when you start sharing with other people and you realize that other people are into this and all that, you're going to start to release judgment, which ultimately brings you to this next step, which is the third one, which is like, you start to get into this place of joy and like, you're doing it for the joy of the work, for the joy of the process. And at that point, what's going to happen is that you're probably going to share organically like to family and friends where you're not going to sit. I never sat down with my brothers and was like, Hey, like, this is what I'm, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm into. But they, every once in a while, you know, something would come up. I remember this funny story where my younger brother, Mike, and I were complaining about my mom. We were like talking shit about her basically. (laughs) Like we were just complaining about something that she had was doing to both of us, but in different, like, you know, she was acting the same way to me as he was, as she was to him. And we were like, you know, coming together and complaining about it. And he, and I was like, yeah, you know, I think her soul is like, blah, blah, blah. And I did a reading on her and this is what I got from the energy. And I like naturally just kind of shared it with him. And he's like, yeah. And I was doing research and I found like statistically, like this amount of people, like, have this problem with their parents or whatever. And we started laughing because like, I would never look for statistics, you know, and he would never be reading my mom's energy, but it was the way that we understood and like found solutions to what, you know, to this challenge that we were having. And I didn't like judge him for, you know, looking at numbers and he didn't judge me for doing what I did. It was just, we have different skills and we used our skills to help both of ourselves understand what was happening. And it was very organic, right? Like I wasn't, he wasn't even questioning why I did what I did. He was just, we were just in conversation and I, there was like a joy in having this tool and a joy in doing this work that like, it was just easy for me to share. So you'll ultimately, once you start to release judgment, you're going to start to organically share and that's going to feel very natural and normal. And you'll see some people will be, you know, you'll go to a party and I remember once going to like this party and it was one of Benny's friends' parties. And one of the women, one of the girls, like the wives of one of his friends, she was like, I see what you're doing on like social media. This was like in the beginning of my process. And she's like, you know, I've always felt like, like something's protecting me, like a guardian angel. Like, do you think that's my spirit guide? (laughs) You know, like, so she pulled me to the side and talked to me. And it was like, I didn't have to like preach to her. It was like very organic. Right. And I was like, Oh, and I shared with her what I knew at that time. And that was it. We never talked about it again, but 
it was, you know, it's like it organically and naturally starts to happen as you release judgment of yourself. You may not have all the answers. I don't have all the answers at this stage, but you can share, right? And you get to a place of sharing rather than feeling like you need to defend yourself, feeling like you need to know for sure if this is the right way or the wrong way. You get to a place of like being okay with like, I I don't know all the answers, but this is what I've learned. And that starts to naturally happen. It's important at this phase to not, and I, I think this happens like in all the phases, but because there's usually in the first, you know, few po- phases of, com- of, you know, really stepping into this new version of yourself and really stepping into this like spiritual version of yourself, there's this place that we all get into that we want to fix the people that are around us. Um, that's a very natural thing for also just for people who are, have more of like a healer or like light worker soul. And sometimes like we want to prove ourselves by fixing others. Um, we want to like use the skills that we have learned to try to fix the people around us. And that can be like a slippery slope. Sometimes, yeah, like family and friends are asking for help and they're open to what we have learned. But other times we're trying to do it to prove ourselves. So at this point, when you get a little bit more okay with sharing and, you know, kind of throwing it into conversation here and there, you may get a little too aggressive and feel like you want to help people because you're just like a evangelist, you know, almost for like this kind of work. And you got to be careful because everybody first of all, you're not here to save anybody. And also, you know, everybody has their own process. And like, definitely there's, you know, you always want to come from a place of free will, knowing that people have free will. And even though you may have something that can help them from these tools that you have learned, doesn't mean that they want it, right? My dad always taught me, he was a doctor and he always told me, he's like, you can't medicate a patient who doesn't want medicine. So this is the same concept, right? Like if they don't want the medicine, then don't you know, like, don't try. So just kind of be careful that because that when you get into this place of joy and you're like, oh my gosh, so excited that this is working and that, you know, and, and that you're really like loving who you're becoming and what you're studying and what you're learning, you may want to like step over a boundary. So just kind of be careful with that. And then step four or phase four, however we want to look at it is let the proof speak for itself. You know, um, I think at this point where I am, my family and my friends, they see me happy and they see, you know, I went through a really hard thing, let's say like with my husband and, um, I was able to move through that with grace. And, um, they see me taking like courageous steps. Like I've moved, you know, maybe not everybody believes, you know, like agrees with it, but they can see that I am like, you know, living my best life, like living my truth. And I don't have to prove myself because my life, my energy, my my joy and my confidence in myself, my love for myself, like is very potent, right? Like I can sit next to somebody and they know, my brothers know I'm okay. You know, the, the people that love me, like my family members that love me, like they know that I'm okay. I do, I think I've been pretty open about it, but my mom and I, you know, she is very, we just, you know, I have a big mother wound. Let's just put it that way. And she is somebody that like will not come around. And that has been like a process for me to, to be okay with that, that like, she's not going to come around. And of course there's like a little girl inside of me that always had hope. And it was you know, even just part of doing this work and wanting to prove myself, there was a lot of drive from wanting to be like, well, if, 
if all, if I become successful and if I have these books and, you know, if I have these people on Instagram that follow me, like maybe my mom will come around, you know, and definitely having to let that little dream die has also been part of the process. Like, yes, let the proof speak for yourself, but there are some people who are not going to want to see the proof, right? Like there are going to be some people that see the proof as a, um, you know, as an abandonment of, of them. And, and, you know, when there are some people that hold onto certain beliefs so tightly and you're living opposite of those beliefs, you know, they feel like it's a complete, you know, um, attack on them. So some people will come around and, and the truth is the majority of the people will come around. That's the truth. That's what I've learned about this process. Like, you know, I'm, I grew up Catholic. I come from a very traditional Cuban family. Like I have a come from a very tight community. Like I have the same group of girlfriends that I've had my whole life. They're all of Cuban families. We all, their parents are friends with my parents. Like it's just a very, as like enmeshed <laughs> that ever, like as, as enmeshed as you can imagine, it's like where I came from. And there was tons of people that I was afraid of judging me. And the truth is that most people come around. Like once you are truly like in your joy, the people you're afraid of the most, most of the time they come around. Is there that one person that like 1%? Yes. In my case, it's my mom. Yes. Is, and, but that is, that's a whole different soul contract. You know what I mean? That's a whole different karma. That's a whole different piece of the puzzle, but the majority of people do come around and they're just going to see it from your happiness and kind of just see like how good and how much joy you feel about the stuff that you're doing. And that's going to, that takes a little bit of time. You know, I feel my first like kind of big awakening started about, mm, yeah, like about 12 years ago. And not that I, I, and not that I don't think, not that I think any of you are going to take that long. Um, that's obviously why I've created the Academy and really try to, you know, and do the readings and do coaching and all that stuff to like help people move along quicker, quicker. I also think the world is more ready than when I first started. And so I don't expect you guys to take this long for the process, but maybe this process takes you two years, you know, maybe it takes you one year or whatever, these four steps that I just explained. But, you know, I, I, I just do know I have, I have faith that whoever you're scared of right now with time, like I'm, pretty confident that they'll come around unless it's that special case. Like I just shared about my mom. So I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised about how this all turns out for you. And I just want to encourage you to keep going. And hopefully this little interview, uh, this time that I spent with my brothers is, is helpful for you. And you can see that eh, they don't really care that much. <laughs> That's probably why the interview was like kind of uneventful because it was like, eh, they don't think about it much, you know, which is kind of funny. So enjoy the interview. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Led. Today I have two of my favorite people on the podcast. And actually this is my first in-person podcast episode, guys. I usually do them via Zoom. So I've never had guests in my office. So welcome. All right, guys, take a minute to guess who you think my two favorite people are in the world. Just one minute. Or not a minute, a few seconds. Okay, time's up. My two brothers are here in studio with me. Welcome, Rob and Mike. Thank you. We were told that we were coming on a mountain bike trip. <laughs> didn't know about the podcast, so. <laughs> totally true. When they got here, they came to visit. Actually, my first visitors, too, here in Asheville. 
And when they came to visit, I kind of just like the first day they were here, I was like, Hey, would you be on my podcast? I told them that I had their energy read. I mean, they're just like not, they didn't sign up for this shit, but they're here anyways. Now it's all coming together. Why my uh, flights were paid for. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Sponsored trip. You had no idea. <laughs> so can you guys like briefly intro yourselves? I'm Rob. I'm the eldest of the three of us. And, uh, I live in Florida. I'm a physician and I have a family. It's a family of four, wife, little girl that's four and a half and a little boy that's six months. What's your favorite me um, memory of Nikki? Probably Nikki chasing around with us since it was all boys and that's including our cousins. And since we had swords, we ran into swords, we gave her a bat and she would just run around with a bat. <laughs> pretty awesome. Sometimes, occasionally I would get lucky and get a broom. So, yeah. And then this is Mike. Hello, I'm Mike. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm the youngest. Uh, I live out in California in Long Beach at the moment. Um, I'm married to Megan. We have a dog named Murphy, the Murph. Uh, we're expecting our first child in January, and I work as an engineer out in California. Thanks. So the purpose of this episode is actually about coming out of the spiritual closet to your family. And not that I ever had like any sort of coming out to you guys or anything like that, but it's interesting that like I, you are both science-based, right? What'd you study in school, Mike? Microbiology and then computer science. What'd you study, Rem? Biology and chemistry and English. Does anybody, oh, English, really random. You just need to, UM makes you take those minors. Yeah, which I should have majored in it because it would have helped my GPA because it was, I was way better at that than most of the sciences. No way. <laughs> I was. Ah, interesting. <laughs> Does anybody know what I studied? Yeah, communications. Yes. Good job, Rob, I'm paying attention. Okay. <laughs> so I'm the middle child, two brothers. I got, so Rob is the oldest and he is just two years older than I am. And then Mike is four and a half years younger than me. Seven, which is funny, Oliver and Ethan are four and a half years apart. And Bea and Dylan are four and a half years apart. <laughs> so we got the same situation going on. Okay, guys. So answer super honestly. Do you think what I do for a living is weird? I'll take that one. Yes. <laughs> Have you ever had a moment that you were embarrassed about what I do? No, I can't say I have, to be honest. I mean, you know, people have asked me what Nikki does and I tell them honestly, and you know, if they want to go down the rabbit hole of exactly what she does and go to her website, then that's another thing. But no, no, I mean, no, no guilt here yet. Maybe we'll get there one day. Benny actually had like a guilty, like not guilty, I'm sorry, like an embarrassed moment, which I thought, like, I never thought about how it like what I do affected other people around me. Like I was just super passionate about it. It sounded fun. And I just went for it. But one day Venny came home to me and he showed me like, he has like a group text with his guy friends. And like one of the, this was years ago too. This was like in the kind of maybe in the beginning. And one of the guys like shared like an Instagram post that I did about like saying, I was talking about like uh, talking to people who have passed, like connecting with the dead. And they were like, Benny, does your wife like, and Benny was like, he had this moment that he was like, you know, he's always let me be who I am, you know, but he had this moment of like, what are you doing? And he came, and I was like, I don't Benny, this is like, you're either in or you're out, man. And, but I never knew that it might like, uh, 
other, I mean, I think mom was kind of like in the back of my head a little bit because she's like the most judgmental, but I I didn't think how it would affect you guys or Benny or anything like that. So just wondering if you've, if you've ever had a moment like that. No, I, I can't say I have. I mean, you've kind of reinvented yourself along the way. So I was just, just kind of accepted as another layer and, you know, we were happy for you and I don't think I really had to explain it to people. I don't think, you know, it's gotten really that questioned, but I guess I would if I, if I was questioned, I don't have a problem with it, but there was also a while there that we didn't really know what you did. So, you know, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> Everybody's like, how does Nikki make money? <laughs> well, because I think when you're doing something kind of different, you have to put yourself like in a, in a cave. Like I couldn't explain to you guys what I was doing and I couldn't um, have any feedback because it would probably stop me from like what I was growing. So I think in many ways it was just like, just go and, you know, like don't, don't talk to them about it so that I can, I can do it. Yeah. You're almost like, um, have you heard of like a stealth startup? It's like a startup who doesn't want to share their ideas because they think that others might steal it, for example. So they're in stealth mode. So you're kind of like in stealth mode for a while. Yeah. And I, that's, a, that's a good way to say it. I was definitely afraid of you stealing my idea, Mike. Yeah, I would have done it. Yeah. <laughs> Software engineering to readings. Yeah. Easy transition. <laughs> so if there's a somebody like me that maybe is like interested in this stuff and they're afraid of their siblings or their parents, do you have like from watching this process... Do you guys have any advice for somebody like that? I think it helps to explain it in relatable terms and uh, maybe using some of the, you know, common circumstances that people can share and rather not go straight for the, you know, communicating with people that have passed. Like you <laughs> want it, right? I mean, you want to take it kind of more on a even playing field to explain it, I would uh, you know, think because, you know, coming from a science background, there are a lot of things that overlap. Um, and I think, you know, if, if you are willing to try to dive into that and, and maybe use that more of an explanation, if you're having people that are, you know, having more of a science background, like we did, we, like we do, that may help. I remember having, um, definitely. And listen, it's so funny. I've been reading about like, um, witch hunts, like from the European, like, you know, European witch hunts and even the ones that happened in the U S and witches were basically like, uh, you know, midwives and, you know, just people using herbs and stuff. And it's so funny, like witches were basically people that were catching on to science before science had discovered it. Like they thought that um, if a baby died, it was like the lady that was helping the birth happen. Like they were like, oh, she's a witch. She caused the baby to die rather than being like, no, there was germs and the lady didn't wash her hands and the baby, you know? So actually, if you study some of this stuff, it's just that like some of these things that we're doing are basically, we're playing with something that science has not, you know, basically been able to study fully. I truly believe that this is like an evolution of the species. Like, because what we're doing is we're teaching girls to like meditate and read something that is unseen. It's energy that like you, it exists, but we can't see it. So it's just like, I feel like in many ways, some of the things that we're doing are just kind of, you know, of course, are there like kooks out there and like people that are making that shit up? Of course. But from teaching people, it's been like really cool. So actually I thought that it would be fun 
to have some of the girls that I've trained. So if you guys don't know, like I have been doing a bunch of readings, got really pop, you know, it got really popular. And then um, I started training other girls that um, eventually started doing readings under me. We call them soul mentors. So we have like seven in the company. So all I did was give them your names, your ages, like kind of what lineup you were in the family. And then I sent them pictures of you guys. So nobody wanted to read you, Rob. I think you're like highly energetically protected, <laughs> which is happens. You sometimes you go and you read somebody and they're so, which is usually the sign of an old soul that like kind of manipulates their energy. So nobody's allowed to like go in and read it. So Rob, nobody went for you. And, and there was two girls that felt called to Mikey. <laughs> so Mikey definitely has a little bit more of an open energy. So would you like the Murphy reading first? Or so we got one reading by Jordan who does the animal readings. She did Murphy and then just a kind of a general message for you. And that was Natalia, who's actually in Long Beach. No, not Long Beach. She's in um, Orange County. Cool. I believe. Close enough. Okay. What do you want to go for? Let's start off with Murphy's reading. All right, let's do it. I am the resident Nikki Novo animal communicator. So I'm here with just a quick um, message from Mike's dog Murphy. It was a pleasure to connect with him. He was a delight first of all. Um, but I did want to say, like, I kept hearing um, just as I was trying to kind of meditate and get in the zone, um, the nickname Murph. And he kept popping in <laughs> and kind of interrupting my setup time, being like, he calls me Murph. Um, and he said that with a lot of pride. Um, so he was very, like, excited and eager popping through. And I had to be like, Murph, calm down. You know, I'm not done with my setup. <laughs> so definitely came through very high energy. Um, seems to me like the type of dog that, like, even if you leave for 20 minutes, Mike, and you come back, he's jumping all over you like you've been gone for two years, you know, and he's just so excited to see you. Um, one thing that he said was that he loves to be active, and he showed me you guys going on a hike together and said that was, like, one of his favorite things to do, and one of his favorite times is just to be out in nature with you. And he called it Mike and Murph time. So I don't know if that is actually something you call it or if this is his own name for it. He made up in his head. Um, but he was very specific about that and said it several times, like Mike and Murph time, as in your alone time together outdoors in nature. Um, and he also showed me you guys standing on a ridge or a cliff of some sort looking out at the view and it looked like there might even be a lake maybe or a body of water um during this view time and he said he loves those moments in that particular place and being there with you um another funny thing that he shared made me wonder if you ever put um like a kerchief or a bandana on him around his neck because he showed me a bandana and said he likes it when you dress him up like he considers special things around his neck as dressing up and it makes him feel kind of fancy like puts a little bit of a swagger in his step and he said like give me a little swag man you know <laughs> like he really wants you to like um yeah help him with the swag put a little uh 
put a little dress up like fancy um, item around his neck, like a kerchief or something. So I don't know if you do that already, but he was specifically showing a bandana. So Mike, how'd that go? It was good. It was um, it was very sweet and had a lot of truth to it, for sure. We have had many one-on-one hikes. Um, we're mostly accompanied by by my wife, but there have also been one-on-one hikes. Um, and I, I think it is true that Murphy does really enjoy those. When we were living in San Diego, we would go up to Mount Laguna, and there's a, I believe it's called Big Laguna Lake, and uh, he'd have to go in there and jump in, even if it's iced over, and try to walk on ice and sometimes uh, slip and fall into cold water. But he didn't mind. Yeah, yeah, he's he is very adventurous. That is true. Um, about the, you know, putting clothes on him. He he is a fan of handkerchiefs. Beyond that, I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that um, you started off the conversation being like Murphy the Murph. And like, that was like the first thing she said. Yep. So funny that like, he knows you call him that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Isn't that funny? <laughs> That's funny. Rob, what'd you think about that? That was pretty good. I like <laughs> <It's> that. <funny. laughs> so the way that you do animal readings is basically the concept that the animal is a soul. So like what, you know, like the way you're, you have souls within yourselves, like what she's doing is basically the energy of Murph, like beyond being the dog or whatever, she's meditating and trying to like read the energy of, and like communicating with like that soul. Basically that's how she's picking up that stuff. Mm. So, you know, it's the idea that like, you know, you got to get into reincarnation and all that kind of stuff. But the idea that like, if you believe in reincarnation, like maybe there was a time that like you and Murph were something other than like, you know, dad and dog type of thing. So reading that. Okay. I will add that for the Murph and Mike time, as he was calling it, we have had times where we go camping with just the boys. And that those camping adventures are specifically called mamping because it's <laughs> men only camping. I didn't make up this term. I have a friend. He's from Bulgaria. I don't know. Maybe that's <laughs> why. But uh, <laughs> so um, the girl dogs are not allowed and uh, only Murphy. So maybe he's you know picking oh, up on that. That's hilarious. Mamping. Oh, man. You, you need to make T-shirts. Okay. So this next one, Mike, is Natalia. Natalia like was super kind of like, I, when I first met her, she was a coaching client of mine for a while. She came for a reading and then we worked together for a little bit. And then she ultimately went through the training and like the fact that she can read as well as she can read is like pretty impressive. Like she had like no ability. She came from a very Christian background, very like afraid of all this stuff. And she sent me this and I, you know, I gave her just like your names or whatever. And I was just like, man, just so impressed. So let's listen. So the first thing I saw was definitely the beach, which obviously like if he lives in Long Beach and wants to go to San Diego, um, I could tell, you know, he must love the beach, but it definitely was one of the first things I saw was like him with water. Um, I can see that just really makes him happy. And I don't know if he surfs, but that was something that kind of came up as well. And then when I was looking at his energy, he had very kid-like energy, um, but it also felt like he he feels this need to almost put on like a more professional front. Um, And that came up a lot as like a struggle for him. And it seemed like he just kind of battles between the playfulness of who he is and the seriousness that he feels like he's supposed to be. 
Um, it looked like he's still searching on who, searching like around who he is becoming and who he wants to become. And he's actually meant to be more in his playfulness. And it seems like that's going to lead him to his passions. And um, and he's really just being called to let go of like the box that he feels he needs to fit into. It also felt like there's an idea that he's been sitting on around potentially like a business of some sort. And it feels like really risky to him, but it actually seems like a really good path for him to pursue. Um, and it seemed like there's like a simultaneous um, birthing of a baby and a business idea. It kind of feels like it might be like a product or something that he's been either he's been thinking about or is maybe going to come about in the next couple months. Let's have Rob talk first. Did you you picked up on some of that? So what'd you think? Yeah, I think. You know, Mike's definitely portrays the serious one of the three of us, I think, but he is by far definitely the most playful. Um, so I think that dichotomy was pretty much uh, pinned perfectly. If there's a secret product coming, we don't know about that yet. So I'm <laughs> curious about that. <laughs> the baby we know about. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that. I thought that it was like, you know, what we love about Mikey is his playfulness, but I would imagine being the youngest is like a certain amount of pressure. I'm, it's interesting. I think every, you know, Rob probably has a certain amount of pressure being the oldest, me being the only girl stuck in the middle, like is kind of a weird place, but the youngest also like this, that must just be a hard position to be in sometimes like thinking that you have to be, I don't know, like more mature when like literally you're seven years younger than Rob. Okay. What'd you think? I thought it was good. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's not, gotta say, it's not something that I often think about this playfulness notion, but, um, I think it's probably a good one. Yeah. It, it does resonate with me. I think my playful side definitely comes up when I'm with kids more often, but, um, I do have difficulty maybe bringing it out with more so with adults, but yeah, that definitely something I, I could work on. So is there a secret problem and um, product? There's, there's not really at the moment. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, we're going to put it out there in the world. You have full permission <laughs> are, to, to consume it. Cause it looks like, you know, it could work. Yep. There are, there are a number of different options, but not one that I've singled in on or that, you know, with a baby coming along, nothing I'm planning to act upon next few months. I think you're going to have to re-listen to that. I feel like you didn't really get the messages. I'm going to have to give you that audio file so you can listen to it a few times and I let could. it sit in. Yeah. Okay. So guys, that was fun. Would you, thanks for being here with me and for listening to these like very, these like cool messages. Thank you. It was fun. So anything you think the friends of Nikki that listen to the podcast, would anybody like to hear something embarrassing about me that you remember or anything that maybe they don't know about me? Things like that. Uh, Nikki is much more the matriarch of the family than probably most of her friends know. So I think that's important. I think there's like a glue that keeps us all together. So <laughs> thanks. Well, I feel that your wife, Becca and me have probably like run side by side kingdoms before. So, I mean, you guys, I'm also very lucky. There were some questionable girlfriends there at some point. And I'm also very lucky that you guys married. Not going to name any names. <laughs> uh, 
And I'm sure there was like questionable guys on my end too. So I'm just grateful too that your wives are supportive of that. And like, they've also, you know, like kept the relationship together too. I mean, you have to have like good wives to be able to keep it all together. We are close siblings though. What do you think the secret is to close siblings, Mike? Probably frequent, frequent visits, um, you know, spending time with each other. We're all, well, especially now kind of in, in different cities with, you know, about what, a thousand miles away at least. Yeah. Different states. So, um, yeah, making the time to, to, uh, spend time with each other. Um, I think we usually do a decent job of doing that. Rob and I go on, you know, ski trips, which we've invited Nikki, but she hasn't come yet. He's such a liar. He is not, they, they do not invite me because this camp, this bro camping also happens on these bro trips. And you know, who's really insulted been on ski trips. Oh, I have been on ski trips as the only girl that you're right, Rob. But as after I got married, I haven't been able to go, but Benny is very insulted. Oh no. <laughs> He's still waiting for an invitation for Benny. You got to get in shape before you can keep up with these guys. Cause Rob is like, he has like no holds bar, man. He'll leave you at the top of the mountain. If you're like too slow. Like I, I remember Rob like screaming at me from the bottom of the mountain being like, just put your skis on. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm stuck in the powder. <laughs> this is true. So you gotta, you gotta like be as, you gotta keep the, the, if you want to go on any of these trips, you have to be able to keep up with Rob. <laughs> He's definitely the most athletic out of all of us. All right, guys. Well, any final last words? No, thanks for having us. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for yes. being here with me. Love you guys both. <laughs> love you too. Thank you so much for listening. I love you guys so much. If you love what you're hearing, would you mind leaving a review or sharing with a friend? That little review does so much. It's so damn helpful. You don't even know. So thank you for that. And if you're ready to unlock your spiritual gifts, enroll in my three-level program, Soul Academy, or join my free community, Soul Collective. I'd love to have you there. The links to join are below in this episode. Until next time, love you much. 